0: It was very much dominated by paganism, but also there was a synagogue there and the Jewish leaders were very hot under the collar about Christianity and about Paul. They ran him out of town. There was a big riot there. And so that was what was left when uh, when Paul left the city. You know, when we're traveling, we come across roadblocks like this. Our GPS sometimes, and I emphasize sometimes, is really good. Uh, at helping us get around those places and offers a real good detour. And uh, I have a little corny acronym that I want to... Acronym? That's good. I want to uh, share with you uh, today uh, that uh, maybe just kind of help you remember some of the points of the message. When we uh, come to roadblocks like this, God does motivate us to overcome them with His own GPS, and it does not fail. Uh, First of all, we're going to see in verse 13 that Paul points them to the Word of God, God's Word, G, God's Word, okay, for GPS, P, the people of God in verses 14 through 16, and then verses 17 through 20, they're looking forward to their standing before Christ or their spiritual rewards there. And so Paul encourages these Thessalonian believers, the reason why he was writing them in the first place was to encourage them just to keep on to encourage them, but also just to help them and equip them to remain faithful to the Lord. Not to give up. Because when we have these roadblocks that get in our way, sometimes we just want to go back home. We don't want to go around them. But God does give us these resources to overcome them. So the question is, how are you going to respond to roadblocks in ministry? Are you going to give up? Are you going to move forward? God's given you the resources to move forward and let's look at those. First of all, He instructs the Thessalonians to look to the Word of God. Verse 13 again says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the Word of God, which ye received of us, ye received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I want you to try to take some time here and remember back to Acts chapter 17. So we've been talking about Thessalonica and Paul's ministry there. And even chapter 1. If you see, it says in verse five, chapter one, verse five: For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As you know, what manner of men we were among you for your sake, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, and with the, whole, the joy of the Holy Ghost. So we remember here that when they received the word of God initially, they received it by faith, but also with much affliction. And they had this joy of the Holy Ghost. Where did it come from? It came from how they responded to the Word of God. And Paul here is rejoicing, giving thanks for their response to God's Word. In chapter 1, they received it by faith with joy of the Holy Ghost. And they, and he gets a report we're going to see from Timothy, after his visit there, that they still are obeying what they have heard and what they've been taught from the Word of God. Uh, One commentator wrote this the same word that brings us to salvation also enables us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to live for Christ and to suffer for his sake so when you are suffering for Christ and I'm not talking about sickness you have a cold you know you got a disease or something I'm talking about when and I'm not belittling those things at all okay I don't want to be disrespectful but the context here in first Thessalonians chapter 2 is suffering for Christ when you're taking the Gospel out. okay? They're taking the Gospel out. They're trying to evangelize the lost. They're trying to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and they're suffering for it. When you run into a roadblock in the ministry, go to the Word of God. That's where He points them. We see that they accepted the Scripture's authority in their lives. It says in verse 13, when you received the Word of God, ye literally accepted it. It says received there, but it um, it also could mean accepted it. Not as uh, the Word of men, but as it truly is the Word of God. It's two different words here in this verse for received. Received the Word of God and then you made it your own. You believe that um, when, you got, when you received these, the message of the Gospel, you believed that the precepts were from God. You believed the principles that we taught you in the short amount of time that we were there in Thessalonica were from God. You believed that the prohibitions... Uh, that I'm gonna, that Paul reiterates a little bit later in this letter, they were from God. They received the, the message of the gospel as from God. And the reason why is because they believed he was the author of the Word of God. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21 teaches very clearly that the author of the Word of God is not men. It's not prophets of old, it's not apostles, it's the Holy Spirit. And it says in Second Peter chapter one, verses 19 through 21, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Peter, as he wrote this, he saw some pretty awesome things. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus showed his glorified state. He really had access to a lot of revelation. He lived and walked and served and ministered with the Lord Jesus in person. But he writes here in this letter, but you have a sure, a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, God, is the author of Scripture, and they received the Word of God, and as its authority comes from Him alone. I, I have a friend who is looking for a new ministry. His church knows about it, but I'm not going to go into details, of course. But, you know, I, I, I'm a reference for him and his character, because and, and, I haven't ministered alongside him. But I got a call from one pastor. And um, not one pastor, one deacon on the pulpit committee. And he asked me a lot of questions and got to visit with him a little bit since I've been here. And this deacon was just sharing his love for his former pastor. And apparently they've been without a pastor for a year and a half. And he just really loved this other pastor. Um, he he just shared with me how this pastor would just preach and like every message would just hit on these on these issues in his life and and he would just he would be there in the pew with his jaw just wide open like how do you know this you know his mouth you know and he wasn't married so his wife definitely didn't talk to the pastor <laughs> so I mean he's like how do you know this only I know this only God would know this and God led that pastor, to preach those messages. It was the Holy Spirit. And this man was just sharing with me, I've made great decisions under his ministry and great commitments to the Lord. Why? Because I, I believed that those messages were from God. They came with authority. And it wasn't just the way the preacher preached it. It was how God applied it to this man's life. And that's exactly what was going on in the Thessalon- with the Thessalonians. Is that they received the Word of God and they accepted it as authoritative. My question to you is: How do you respond to biblical preaching when you have an opportunity to stand before uh, stand or sit under the preaching of God's word? How do you respond to it? Is it just a time filler? Oh yeah, that's part of that service. You know, they always have that guy give up and give a pep talk. Um, you know, some people unfortunately are going even away from that, but. You know, some people just see preaching as an eloquent speech, a time filler, some little pep talk for Christians. And that's not what it is. It's a message from God specifically for you. And so I encourage you, as you have every opportunity in your private devotions, but even if you're listening to the Word of God on the radio, or here in church, Sunday school, that you go to it with a striving, with a... uh, with a motivation seeking what God's message is for you in that, mess, in that sermon, it may be something totally different than what God 's laid on that preacher 's heart, and I've, I've heard of those situations. But God works and uses his, mighty, his word mightily in our lives if we just allow it to work in our lives. And we see here that in First Thessalonians chapter two, the latter half of verse 13. Not only did they receive the Word as the Word of God, not the Word of men, but it says at the very end, which effectually worketh also in you that believe, or that are believing. You see, the Thessalonians, they received it as God's Word, but they also were allowing it to be working in their life right now. At that time, they were allowing the Holy Spirit to use the Word of God to work in their life. and. We see here an act of faith and allowing God to apply His word to our our lives and to sit under His authority as we hear the word of God. But also we see the spirit. We see the Spirit using the word of God to minister it to us. So it has faith and it's a spiritual work. Faith on our part and the Holy Spirit using the word of God to apply to our lives. In chapter one, verse nine, we read how they allowed the Word of God to work in their life. They turned to God from idols. Chapter 1, verse 9. Chapter 1, verse 6, they followed other believers. And most of all, they followed the Lord as their example. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 7, they became examples to all that believed in their surrounding area. They were allowing the Word of God to be applied to their life. Lastly, they spread the Gospel for themselves. Every chance they got. People were hearing it, the Apostle Paul was hearing how the Gospel came to them in places like Corinth where he's writing this letter. uh, Very far south in a different uh, area of the country. And so we see here that they were allowing Scripture to effectually work in them. How about you? Are you giving God an opportunity to use His Word to work in your life? When you are sitting under the preaching, teaching, of God's Word, are you saying, Lord, please, show me where I need to change. Lord, I want You to work in my life. I want You to work Your Scripture into my life. And we we see here that when you do that, your faith, like the Thessalonians, will be in God and not in another person. They were following the Lord Jesus Christ, not just Paul. Their convictions came from God, not from somebody else. And so they were strong. And they could say with conviction, because God was using His Word in their life, they could say, you know what? This is what God says. Thus saith the Lord. Is that going on in your life? Are you facing a roadblock? Maybe you are uh, in ministry. Maybe there's some kind of... um, I think about the message that I gave about Jesus walking on the water and how the winds were contrary. That's That's the word here in regards to the hindering work of these Jews and these unbelievers is they were opposing these efforts, even of the Thessalonians. And how how was Paul reminding them to respond? Remember how you responded to the Word of God. Remember how it's working in your life. Go to the Word of God. Same thing applies for you and me. When we face opposition, you know what, you may be witnessing for Christ and someone brings up something that you're not very familiar with. They may use philosophy, science, something that maybe you're just you know, you you may be tempted to try to venture in that realm and you really are disappointed with how you how you act. And Paul Paul encourages us to use the scriptures as our authority. We don't we don't look at men's logic, we don't look at our own reasoning, we don't look at our own knowledge of the sciences and academics, but Lord, that we go to the Scripture and we say, Thus saith the Lord. This is what the Bible says. And we return to that. And we allow also the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of others and to use the Word of God. Temptation a lot of times is to give the Word of God and then play the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do His job because He does it perfectly. He is God. And then we need to use what we know. We need to use the Word of God and look there. Now, Also, we see here that Thessalonians, they shared the Word of God with others. It's another way of application. Are you sharing the Word of God when you face these roadblocks? Sometimes when we face them, it's an opportunity for us to point people to Christ, to use the Word of God. And uh, I wanted just to read this quote. It was pricked me to the heart. Uh, This one commentator wrote this, Many believers are, are reluctant to share the gospel even in the worst, reper- even when the worst repercussion they will face is ridicule. What does this say about the working of God's word in our lives? We see here that the Thessalonians, the word of God was working itself in their lives, and they were they were not only facing ridicule, they were putting their lives in danger. What about us? A lot of times we're intimidated and we won't share our faith because we don't want to be ridiculed in the community. We don't want to be seen as a bigot or a Bible thumper in Akron or whatever community you're in. And so we need to allow the Word of God to work in our life, and when it does, we're going to be bold witnesses for Christ. We're going to have the Word of God readily available so we can use it. Uh, the, second, the second response to a roadblock is not only look at the, uh, God's Word, but also look to God's people, the people of God. Uh, verses 14 through 16, Paul points the attention of the Thessalonians to the Christians that were there in Jerusalem and that were suffering. They were suffering in the same way the Thessalonians were as their brothers in Christ in Jerusalem by their own countrymen. Verse 14, For ye brethren became followers or imitators of the churches of God in Judea that are in Christ Jesus, for you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. And so he's encouraging them that, you know what? You're not alone in this. You know, a lot of times when we face opposition to gospel ministry, we kind of get self centered. We kind of focus in on self, like, I'm the only one serving the Lord still. You know? I'm the only one standing for the truth. Um, I'm only one standing for the historic. Baptist distinctives, you know? Yeah, we're trying to... You know, we have these different things that we, we kind of feel sorry for ourselves. And that's, what, that's a temptation that we can have when we face roadblocks in ministry. And Paul directs them to these fellow believers and that, you know, you know you're not on your own. And God and Satan doesn't want the Word of God to get out and he's going to do everything he can to stop us from serving the Lord. And one way is to get our focus on ourselves. And not on, not on God, and not how He can use His Word. We're not the only ones serving and suffering for the Lord. And it reminds me of uh, Elijah in First Kings chapter 19. Sorry, Sunday school class, I'm repeating this illustration, but uh, you probably forgot it anyway.
1: <laughs> but uh, we,
0: but you know, we're encouraged here in First Kings, uh, excuse me, First Kings chapter 19 of Elijah out after he had this great event. On Mount Carmel, where you know God showed His power mightily, these prophets of Baal were embarrassed. They were cutting themselves, jumping all over the place, dancing, trying to get their quote-unquote God Baal's attention. The rain, thunder, God to rain down fire, lightning from heaven to light the sacrifice, couldn't do it. And so, what is what is Elijah does? He obeys God's will. He prays. God answers in a miraculous, very showy. Way, okay? I mean, it's an awesome way. Not showy as in a bad sense, but he proved that he was the one true God. And then, the death, the, the death threat came out. <laughs> and Elijah is uh, on the run. Jezebel wants his head. And he is running for his life. And I tell you, Elijah, he starts thinking, you know what, I guess I'm the only one left that's serving the Lord. I guess I'm the only true prophet left. This nation has just gone. I hate using this term, south. Uh, <laughs> it's gone south, and uh, it's and yeah. I was gonna say go to pot, but you guys know what that means too in Colorado. But <laughs> but you, but you know, it's just gone bad, right? And and I'm just alone fighting the good fight, and God. Uh, reminds Elijah, you know what? I'm preparing men that are going to remove the worship of Baal from this nation. I'm raising up a king in Syria, Hazel. He's going to remove and kill the prophets of, ba- of Baal. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assign a new king in Israel, Jehu. And he's going to remove Baal worship in Israel. I'm raising up a new man, Elisha. A new prophet, he's going to follow you. And he is going to be instrumental in removing the worship of Baal. And God encourages Elijah. You're not alone. You know, you're not the only one. And then He even adds the little cherry on top and says, "You know what? There's even seven thousand people in Israel that have not bowed the knee and kissed and worshiped Baal. You know, you're not alone. You're not alone." And Paul reminds the Thessalonians in the same way. You're not alone. The churches in Judea they're being persecuted for the for the gospel. He even goes into further detail in verse 15. These same uh, opposers to the Gospel, they killed the Lord Jesus. They killed the Lord Jesus. They also have killed their own prophets that have preached the truth. They've persecuted us as the Apostles. And they please not God and are contrary to all men. They're trying to prevent people from hearing the Gospel of Christ. You're not alone. and Just remember you're not alone in the fight. And You need to stand together with other Christians. You know one of the greatest values of the local church is that we can stand together in times of difficulty and encourage one another. It's kinda like a herd of bison. I was watching a documentary one time of a herd of bison and they were being pursued by a pack of wolves. And uh, those bison, they had some calves and if that's what they're called, and they were and they circle the calves. They make this circle and they have, you know, these bulky bison, you know, or like this with these horns. You know, out front, and their head down, and they're having the bulkiest part of their body facing out all around, and all the young are in the circle, and they are surrounding, standing together to fight off the wolves that want to try to jump in or try to get underneath them to try to snag their calves. And the same is true with the with the local church. When you are facing roadblocks in ministry, the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself. You know, isolate yourself and say, "Yep, I'm just the I'm the lone ranger for the Lord." You know, I can do it on my own. And uh, with my, you know, you need your trusty sidekick. I'm sorry, <laughs> I wasn't planning to say that, but Tonto. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, you need a sidekick. You need the people of the Lord, don't you, right beside you? And uh, you need because the battle is greater. Than your own strength, and we need to stand together for Christ. And so, I do encourage you that when you're hindered in ministry, that you stand together. You stand together, and we be sensitive to those that are um, overwhelmed in life, but also overwhelmed in ministry. You're being if you're getting burnt. If you see someone getting burnt out in the ministry here. You go and you stand together with them. Don't let them suffer on their own. Well, they shouldn't have done that if they can't do it. You know, no. We need to come alongside them and lift up their hands and try to help them in the ministry and not see them get burned out. If you see someone that's struggling, they've been doing Children's Church for years and or Awana, this certain thing in Awana for years, and you're equipped to do it, maybe you can step up and you can help out and you can fill in the gap and give them a break. Uh, when you're hindering the ministry, stand together, gather together with God's people. Uh, share and pray for one another's burdens. You know, when we are feeling bad in the ministry, we're facing some kind of struggle with giving out the gospel of Christ. Um, sometimes, like I said, we can focus on ourselves so much. This is an excellent opportunity to actually be praying for others. What happens when we do that? When we're praying for other people in the ministry. We're praying for our fellow soldiers in God's army. Focus goes off ourself, doesn't it? It starts going naturally on that other person. And that's how God directs our hearts. And our heart is in the right place. So pray for one another. Gather together with God's people and encourage and help those that are overwhelmed in ministry. Then number three, Paul says, hey, look at what you're going to be doing in the future. One day you're going to stand before Christ. Look at the presence of Christ and that we're going to be before Him one day. In verses 17 through 20, says, "But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. What was the hindrance? Satan. We're not sure exactly what it was. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 17, we kind of get a little bit of a feel. In verse nine, says, after this riot happened. They of the city took a security or a, um, like a deposit. Um, I'm trying to think of a better word, but yeah, a secu- basically a financial promise that, uh, that of Jason, this disciple, this Christian there, and of the others, and they let them go. They were gonna, they were being seized, and they actually gave forth money that this that they were not going to cause another riot again or another thing. And that's when Paul was run out of town. And we see here maybe that Paul wouldn't go back because of the financial strain that Jason and the others that may met in his house would have been under. I'm not sure. Um, it could be that the Jewish leaders were still pursuing him. They pursued him all the way to Berea. And they definitely could do that still. Whatever the Whatever Satan was using, he was using these Jewish leaders, he was using these pagans, to prevent and restrain the gospel to go there in Thessalonica and to go to different places in the ancient world at that point. Uh, the verse, the word hindered in verse, verse 18 literally means to cut in, to place an obstacle in the path. It's literally a roadblock. That's where I got that idea from. Uh, to, to detain a person unnecessarily. And uh, we see here that He was hindered, or he was detained twice, once and again, to go back to Thessalonica. So, how did Paul respond? How did Paul respond? The Thessalonians, if I can say that right, when they when they were standing for Christ after Paul left, how did they respond to the persecution? They looked to the Word of God. They received it as God's authority. They allowed it to work in their lives. And even when they were suffering for Christ, Paul points them, hey, you know what? Look to your fellow brethren in Judea. You're not alone. Keep in there and uh, be encouraged by their own testimony there in Judea. And then lastly, he says, you know what? Look ahead to to when we're going to be in the presence of Christ. He says in verse 19, for what is our hope? Paul says. Our joy. Or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. And what he's saying there in verse 20 is, you are our cause of glory. You are our cause of joy when we see Jesus. When Jesus comes back and he raptures his church and we that are believers stand before the Lord and we give an account for how we served him, he says, you know what? You're going to be there. And you're going to be my cause of honor, my cause of glory. Why does he say that? Because you are proof that I've been faithful to the Lord. So we talked about being a steward last week. And Paul considered himself a steward of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the requirements of a steward is that he is required to remain faithful, right? Right? Faithful to the Lord. And Paul was faithful. And he was looking forward to that day that he was going to see these Thessalonian believers again. Even though he wasn't going to see them here on earth again probably, he was hoping, well he knew for a fact, he had a confident expectation. It was his hope. He was going to see them again at the presence of Christ. And they were going to be his cause of glory, but they also were going to be his cause of rejoicing. Because he led many of them to the Lord. He led many of them to the Lord and he was going to see these souls in heaven. Not just in Thessalonica, but in Berea, Corinth, Ephesus. Wherever he went, Antioch, these different places that he ministered the Gospel. He knew that when he stood before the Lord one day, he was going to see these souls in heaven. How about you? Do you take opportunities to share the Gospel of Christ with others? When you... One day, stand before the Lord. Are you going to be empty-handed? Are there going to be any people who say, you know what? I saw Jesus in you. I heard Jesus from you. You know, And so there is a definite application for us to take opportunities that God gives us to share Christ. But also, we need to give of our resources to missions as well. And we see that the Philippians did this on several occasions while he was there in Thessalonica, they invested in the ministry of the gospel that the Apostle Paul was conducting there in the ancient world. And there's an application for us. What are you giving? You know, you promised a certain amount for faith promise. Are you giving towards that promise uh, to fund the efforts of our missionaries? I know that they're sacrificing, and we just need to be faithful. And that's not what I... Preaching because you guys, we just gave of some of that money. You guys are doing a great job with that, Um, but we but we need to remember this fact that there's going to be people in heaven we're going to meet that were saved because you gave towards missions, and that missionary could be on that field, and you may not have been the person speaking, but you enabled and you allowed that person to be there, and to give the gospel of Christ. And there's going to be people in heaven that you're going to see one day because you were faithful in funding those gospel efforts. But So are you going to be empty-handed one day when you stand before Christ? We're encouraged by the Apostle Paul that, you know what? We're going to face roadblocks in ministry. They're going to come one day. And I, I didn't read the whole letter today from the Bachams. He talked about sunshine and rain. And you can read it a little bit later, but... Right now, everything's so sunshiny, you know? Everything's working well. The sun is shining so bright on their ministry. People are being baptized. People are being saved. They're looking forward to a missions conference. They're looking forward to summer camp again. I mean, that's really bright. That's really encouraging. But he mentions, you know what? The rain's going to come sometime too. And we're going to be thankful for that too. Brother he he's very mature in the ministry and I appreciate his perspective. It's very similar to the Apostle Paul you know what, roadblocks are going to come. But we're going to look to the Word of God. We're going to look to one another and uh, encourage one another, pray for one another, but we're also going to look forward to the day we're going to stand before Christ. We may not see the rewards here on earth, but there are going to definitely be rewards in heaven. Where are you looking? How are you responding to roadblocks that are being put in your path to serving the Lord Jesus Christ? pray you give up? Are you ready to move forward? Look to God's Word. Look to God's people and look forward to the when we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. It's very encouraging that even though bad times come in ministry, just like they do in life, uh, we do have a God who is faithful and always provides a way of escape and who has given us His preserved Word and that it is true and that we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Lord, we don't have to go to your word and try to read into it what we need to read into it. We don't need to go to your word and try to psychoanalyze it. Lord, we have the Holy Spirit and he applies the word of God to our lives. And Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for not leaving us without the Bible, without without leaving us. Thank you for not leaving us without a comforter, without a teacher. And Lord, I just thank you for not only the Word of God, but also Your people. Thank You, Lord, for each person in First Baptist Church of Akron. Lord, You have just fitly framed us together in only, in the, in only the way You could, can do. And Lord, we probably can look around and we look at our own stories and just how You have led us to this place and we, we only can see the hand of God in it. And Lord, we just thank You for the reminder that You haven't left us here to struggle on our own, but you're coming back, and we look and we serve a risen Savior, and that you're coming back and you are going to um, keep us accountable for how we have served you. Help us, Lord, to serve you with faithfulness, that we would invest in the lives of people, and that we would uh, see our service and our investment in people as a source of glory, that we're going to lay before your feet one day, but also a source of joy because we're bringing people to heaven with us by Your grace. And so, Lord, I pray that You would just work in our time of invitation. pray You'll help us to respond as the Holy Spirit has worked in our lives and decisions need to be made. I pray You'll give courage for those that need to make those decisions for Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.